Welcome back to Talking with Elites, sponsored by Boulder Running Company. This is the show where I sit down with professional runners and discuss their lifestyle, training, and influence on the sport of running in a changing online content-driven world. Today I'll be talking with Sydney Gitabudai and Aaron Templeton, both new members of Boulder-based team known as 10-Man Elite. We'll talk about their road to becoming part of the team, why they think they have been able to gain so many fans in a niche sport, the growing sport of ultra-running, and even controversy surrounding Nike. To find out how Tin Man has risen to the top, we ask, what was the roadmap for the success thus far, and how do they plan to continue their rise? I'm your host, Will Bates. Over the past year, Tin Man Elite has grown to become one of the most well-known U.S. professional distance running groups through their use of social media and the ability to reach the younger generations. The group's relatability and openness allows others to get to know their unique personalities and leads to devoted followers. Many other professional running teams like the Nike-sponsored Oregon Track Club, Oregon Project, and Bowerman Track Club have all exceptional talent, but they lack a connection with their fan base and have less overall fan loyalty than most other professional American sports. Tim May Elite believes that track and field communities should adopt their model in order to generate more buzz around modern track and field. Sydney Gidabudai is one of their newest members who moved to Bowler after graduating from Adams State in the spring. He was one of the most prolific Division II runners in recent memory and has been able to mesh with 10-man elite instantly. We were able to dive into how he saw the growth of 10-man over the past year from an outsider's perspective and now being part of the group and seeing how the team meshes and interacts with their followers. Aaron Templeton is another new member of the team who recently graduated from Furman and has quickly found a place on 10-man elite with a gutsy performance at the USATF 5K Road Championships where he finished second place. Here's the story of Aaron and Sydney and their thoughts on how Tim Man Elite has grown to what it is today. Um, so to start things off, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, Aaron, kind of tell me how you joined Tim Man Elite, uh, kind of your college background of running, uh, where it started and like the passion for wanting to run professionally. Awesome. Yeah, my name is Aaron Templeton, uh, new member of Tin Man Elite. I am originally from Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, so my background in running, uh, originally started running just to stay in shape for soccer. And then um, once I kind of got good in high school, I decided to, to give soccer up and um, ended up getting recruited by a few colleges and chose Furman University. Um, had a okay career up until my fifth year and when things really kind of took off. Uh, and then my kind of decision to join Tin Man was, is, uh, I was really kind of looking for a program that was different than than most other uh, pro programs um you know I, I talked to a lot of different groups and I just found that the guys on Tin Man and the way that the team was run was just something that was really for me um and so I kind of made the jump and for for went some opportunities just to uh just so I could really kind of go all in with Tin Man um and I think it's been like the best decision of my life awesome awesome all right Sydney what about you um yeah I'm I'm Sydney Goodbye. I uh, I'm originally from Southern California. Um, you know, I uh, ran into running or found myself in running through uh, through like my dad. Um, you know, he was always a runner. I just like I knew that he'd go out and do workouts every week and all that, even though he was getting older and all that. And I eventually just started to join him, and it was just like a way that me and him like grew together and grew as like, you know founded our relationship I guess uh, a little bit more so and so I just like really enjoyed that it kind of like 
instilled like a different kind of passion that I just didn't have when I was younger. I didn't play other sports or I didn't have any other hobbies. And so it was something that was like totally new to me. Um, and so from there, I, I just kind of gave myself like big dreams. And I think s since the first few months I started running, I, I, I thought to myself that I was going to run in the future and then I was going to do it as a job. And so I'm, I'm glad that I found myself here at Tin Man. Yeah, for sure. Um, so y'all have both competed several times under Tin Man so far. Um, talk with me a little about that transition between college to running professionally. And if you think the training is translating well and if you think that um, this running atmosphere is like similar to how it was in college of having that group uh, and like, you know, you finished second, uh, like the USATF uh, 5K championships and so you did really well at the, the 10 miler um, like a month ago. Mm -hmm. um, so talk with me a little bit about that and of how that has translated. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I guess I've only, I've only had one race under 10 man, but yeah, I, I think that the training is translating. <laughs> um, you know, things went really well there a few weeks ago. Um, in New York, and um, that was a huge breakout race for me, I think, and I didn't, I didn't think I even knew that I was that fit or th that good at the time, um, and so, you know, I think, like you were saying, like, about the team environment, I think, going back to why I joined Tin Man, I mean, that was a huge factor for me, was seeing that there was a team of young dudes that are basically, like, a college team, and, like, that was, like, oh, okay, cool, like, I don't have to give up on, like, this whole, like, college thing really yet so you know I think that was a, a huge thing for me is that there's a benefit to kind of being young and naive in the in the pro world and just being like okay like we're just a group of young boys just being dumbasses out in Colorado and just you know running hard um so yeah I think you know training is translating especially for me um you know I, I think uh training styles are definitely a little bit different than it was in college um, but in a good way, you know, I think there's a lot of personal growth that's, that's happened since I've been out here for sure. Yeah. What about you, Sidney? Yeah. I'll, I'd say, uh, the, the change to, to Tin Man training was one that I needed, um, in terms of, uh, where I, I got away from looking at numbers like splits and, um, and mileage and all that. And, and that really helped me out for my, like my first race. And I think, um, after that, I kind of got back to my old ways and without, you know, without thinking that Tin Man training is exactly what we need to be doing, you know, it's like no more, no less, right? And so yeah. I started pushing it and pushing it, and my second race as a Tin Man was very subpar, and it was a big lesson in, in saying that, like, I'm already doing things right, I don't need to think about it more so than what coach gives us, yeah. and so it, it definitely takes some weight off my shoulders, because, like, I can just show up and, and do exactly what coach says, and I don't have to doubt that, like, it's going to get me to where I want to be. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just a huge, huge stress reliever and with a very similar atmosphere to what I'm used to, which is the more fun part in, in, in my opinion, the, like the time that we're away from training and we're just hanging out and all that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so going back into like the coaching part of it, um, did, did, uh, coach Schwartz, uh, did he have kind of an idea of like what Tim man wanted to be? Uh, as far as like reaching out social media wise, or is that something that one of y'all, uh, like Sam or someone like that, one of the original people that they thought of? Yeah, I think that was probably definitely on Sam. You know, I mean, there's kind of like that original group of Tin Man that really kind of laid the foundation for what Tin Man is today. Um, I think all the branding stuff and the ideation behind pushing social media 
and things like that. I think a lot of that really kind of can be attributed to like Drew Sam Reed Connor kind of. Um, uh, they all sort of were the ones that really sort of started to create like what is Tin Man? What is it? What does it mean to be a Tin Man? What does it mean um, for us to be doing what we're doing? What is the brand pushing for? Who is our target audience? You know, so like I think a lot of that kind of came from yeah from like those young guys. I think Coach Sports obviously you know can continue that he is you know sort of the brains behind how we get good um but i think you know a lot of the ownership of what this team is really is on the athletes which is a huge part of like i'm assuming why sid i'm assuming mm-hmm. yeah why we both really kind of ended up joining tim is because it's like well like i am very much in charge of everything that happens with this team so like that was a huge thing for us i think yeah so you have a lot more freedom than say something like uh bowerman where they're directly involved with nike and they're the one that kind of dictate um, kind of what goes on. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we're not on those teams, so, mm-hmm. like, we, we can't really speak too much for for them, but at the same time, yeah, I think that they're, without us having, you know, a team contract with Adidas and stuff like that, like, we are, we are, you know, very much the owners of this team. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, as far as social media part goes, um, who's kind of in charge of that, about reaching out to the fans? Uh, is that something that's kind of everyone is it has a hand in, or is it something that kind of one person handles and is the one that tries to get out um, all that content for for uh, the fans. Yeah, um, I, I think it's still within that core group of guys, but I think as we've joined the team and obviously have kind of established ourselves as members of the team, we, we definitely have input and I could see us being members of that core group that does have like a big say in what's out there and what's put out there. And and so it's it's uh it's great because you know over the weeks of it makes me like feel like I'm it, like I feel like I'm more and more appreciated when say Sam asks for my opinion whether it's like should we he's asked me a few times like oh is this something that's cool and mm-hmm. like I'm I'm sometimes a little brought back cuz I'm like oh like I didn't really think he would uh he would ask me I thought it was like I thought he ran the show and so he really wants to hear our input and I feel like I'm like I'm not really pushing that button, but it, it really feels like I have something to do with the whole You're team's brand. Yeah. 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 Right. Sure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said about, you know, there there is kind of like at the end of the day, there's a few people that sort of make that final call of, you know, what goes up on Instagram or like what goes out on Twitter or YouTube, whatever it may be. But at the same time, you know, we all are, we all are Tin Man. So we all do sort of put input. And I think that's like that, playing field of like there's no like hierarchy you know what I mean there's no like oh I'm the only one that gets to decide because I am I have this job title or whatever you know it's it's more yeah. of a collective decision um you know of things that go up and 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 kind of what pushes our personal brand and it's it's more of a discussion and I think the cool thing as well is you know like I said like we're all under this umbrella of 10 minute lead and we have our main sort of avenues to reach our fans YouTube Instagram Twitter whatever but at the same time, underneath that umbrella is, you know, 12 guys who all have their own personal brand that they push. And that's the really cool thing is that it's like everyone has their unique piece of Tin Man and like everyone sort of plays into what makes us us. Um, so I think it's very cool that like each of us sort of has our own niche of like and personality. Right. Personality. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Per- yeah. Personality and, and what, what, you know, what we find funny and what some people, you know, relate more to Sydney than they do to me or to Sam more than they like relate to either of us, you know, whoever right. it may be. Um, you know, so I think that is an awesome thing that it's like, there is, 
this like personal push that everyone collectively wants to be good or not only as a group and seen in that group or but also by ourselves I guess yeah yeah definitely as like someone that follows like a lot of different people I think it's interesting to see like this says say the same kind of the same workout or the same activity that y'all are doing and you get different perspectives on it because it's different right. and it's funny because you get this person's opinion on it, taking a picture of you doing this, taking a picture of that, right. uh, which definitely kind of adds to it as well. And definitely has that personality thing where it's like, oh, this guy, you know, is a little bit more serious. This guy's a little bit more funny. They like right. to mess with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely uh, definitely relate to that. Uh, as far as like future plans, like for the next. So it's been Tin Man's been around for what a little over a year now, right? Uh, I think, what, three years now? Three, Two, 27, yeah. 2017, 2016, probably. 20, yeah, 20, like late 2016. Late 20, okay. So, yeah, so like, you know, two and a half, three years. Somewhere okay. Mm-hmm. So, as far as like the growth, I feel like the main part of the growth has been over this. I don't know if y'all would agree, but the, over the past year, it's like really, really grown mm-hmm. a lot more. For sure. Um, what is like the plan for like one year from now? Like, what does that, what does that look like as far as like, uh, let's say, adding uh, like other avenues for like merchandise? Like, what else are you going to add to that? Uh, and then like plans to like reach out to fans like through YouTube, maybe making more of like a more in-depth series. Uh, mm-hmm. Like what are the kind of those plans like? Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so there's so much yeah. kind of going on under the hood. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 There with obviously the Olympic trials is huge. Exactly. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, that like there are many ideas thrown out and it's because we do want those a lot of things to happen. But, um, you know, the, the main focus of Tin Man is to to run fast and make teams. And this is a very, very crucial year because it's. The, like you it's know the most year. important year yeah. ever you know that we have right and the next uh, four. Yeah. yeah and so I, th- I think there are so many ideas thrown around that sometimes we just don't even like we don't even put them in a basket right like right. we just kind of throw them out and we're like oh that'd be cool and right i think we'll get back to those after this olympic year but i think we'll continue to put out content yeah. through the year and put out merchandise and all that yeah, yeah. I'm, i mean I, you know we have so we have a a, a guy with us mac max mcnerney who is, he's kind of the guy who develops most of our content. So, like, he, you know, when he's here, he takes photos, he does the Inside 10 Man Elite stuff. Um, and those gold stickers that we released, his one keyword for this next year was growth. So, like, I think that's a huge thing for us is just maintaining and growing our fan base. You know, showing more and more people what Tin Man is, relating to more and more people. You know, like Cindy said, like, there's a million ideas that we have written down and not written down, you know, thrown around as just spitballing versus, no, we're definitely going to do this at some point in the future, you know? So there's, and then, you know, those go from everything from holding our own races to having camps to different types of merchandise that we can sell. Um, Collaborations. Yeah, collaborations, podcasts, YouTube series, you know, there's a million different things that, you know, we want to push out to the public and and the huge part of that is us just relating with our fan base. Um, So, you know, I, I think that, like Sydney said, though, you know, I could, right now, the main thing for all of us is we want to run fast. Like, that's the only thing that really matters. That's why we're here at yeah, the end of the day. Exactly. Um, and so I think, you know, just going towards this idea of growth over the next year, but running fast is kind of like the main focus. And then I would imagine, like Sid said, like, after this, you know, some more concrete stuff might come out. But And I'm sure in this process of this year, more stuff is going to be coming out, more new ideas are, you know, going to be pouring out and the followers will continue to come and the, you know, everything, um, will just continue to grow. But yeah, that's like the main goal right now, I think is just, it's just continuing to grow our fan base, both, you know, in the U S and internationally. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to like keeping the ball rolling too. Absolutely. Uh, what does that kind of mean to y'all about like the, the team's ethos of like keeping the ball rolling? 
uh, as far as like relates to running and then other things in life too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I think at the the start when I said that my transition to Tin Man was was very good to start with, and and I got away from that mantra or that saying of keeping the ball rolling. I I wanted that ball ball to roll faster, right? And I yeah. I pushed it and pushed it, and I you know in a way I, I tripped over it, right? And um, keeping the ball rolling is staying consistent, doing what coach says because he's perfected his his methods over the last 30 years you know and it's not it's all about not questioning it and staying the course of of what we want to do you know without reaching too far ahead too soon yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean keeping the ball rolling is you know it it can be cheesy obviously like you know ktbr you know we, we kind of joke about it on the team but at the same time like it really is like an everyday life thing i mean even you know like say like, I'm very check- checklist-oriented. So, like, for me, like, getting through a day and, like, checking off a bo- lot of boxes is, like, huge. So sometimes I'll come home from work, and the second that I sit my butt down and I'll start looking at my phone, it's over. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that momentum carrying is so important. So it's, like, you see that in those little aspects of life, and it's something that you notice throughout your whole life, and until you put a name on it, then you don't really think about it too much, I guess. Um, and, like, I, I have just noticed, even, like, after, like, in running, um, yeah, coach, you know, says keep the ball rolling keep the ball rolling and after new york 5k champs for like a day or two i just like hit the brakes i was like oh i'm good like i just ran really well like i need to you know take give myself a break and then the next week of training was so hard because it's just like oh man like i totally like i like sid said like i just tripped over the ball like i st- i stopped the ball's movement and now i'm screwed so yeah. it's like you know it, it really is it's something that i think is very powerful reminder to to all the members of the team to kind of be like, okay, like I can't just stop what I'm doing and expect something bigger to happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. What's kind of like the goal for Tin Man going into the Olympic year? Like what's what's the, the overall plan? Like is everyone trying to qualify for the US team? Like what's kind of that goal going in? Like as far as like expectations for what, what do you think y'all, y'all can do um, at, at, at the Olympic year? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very different, um, for, I think for all of us, you know, in terms of events, in terms of where, in that, like, Olympic journey we want to end, not, not end really, but, like, what our main focus is, you know, maybe some guys are just trying to go to the trials, or some guys are just, are trying to be medalists, you know, at the end of it, right, um, uh, I think it's like, we let everyone make those goals, and we get behind them, right? And so for someone like Drew and Sam, they're really trying to make the team. They're, uh, you know, they're they're trying to be the front runners. They're trying to be the best guys in, in yeah. their countries, uh, Germany and the, and the States. Uh, but maybe me, I think I'm kind of letting that goal, like, develop as I go on. You know, it's it'd be very, like, I guess, um, ambitious of me to say, like, I want to make that Olympic team right now. I, I do. I 100% want to. But for me to say that's, like, my ultimate goal is to be a little, like, naive. And, and I'm going to let that, like, goal develop as I get better and as I, you know, eat up the training, I guess, and, and see, like, how I'm feeling in a few months, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of in the works. That's all I can say. Yeah. That, I think for every individual it's different. Like Sid said, you know, some of us are – just trying to make it. Some of us are, you know, trying to make teams. And I mean, obviously, I mean, same thing for me, I think, as Sid said, you know, like I've only competed at the USA pro level one time and it went pretty well, but you know, it's hard to 
make a jump from being top 10 to being top three, you know, and, and having an Olympic A standard is, is an incredibly challenging feat to undertake. Um, so I think, yeah, like I, like Sid said, you know, maybe this is, this year isn't our year for the Olympics, maybe 2024 is, but, uh, getting that experience at the trials and, and trying to place as well as I can and, and shock people, I think is a, a huge motivator for me. So I would say that's my kind of goal is to just go in and be like, wow, that kid shouldn't be there and he is, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, as far as like track and road things go, most of the guys are more, more focused on, on the track part of it. Um, is there, is that mainly just because of like the younger age and you're just going to stay track and then later on down the line, you're going to switch to roads. Like a lot of people do, you know, switch, they increase their distance to the half and full marathon. <laughs> uh, is that kind of what y'all's plan is too in the future or are you planning on staying on the yeah. track? I, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll answer first. I think my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my goal, yeah, is to move on to the road yeah. eventually. Uh, not so soon. I think I want to, I want to make it through the, like the next Olympic cycle. So, you know, whether I make 2024 or not, like that's when I'll decide, oh, I want to be a half marathoner or a marathoner. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoy running, um, like I said in the beginning, and like I want to make it through all stages of what it is to, you know, I think it's a very traditional running career where you spend a few years on the track, you move up into the roads, and then you eventually run the marathon, and um, I'm very okay with that. Uh, I've been told many times that I'm going to be a road guy, I'm going to be a marathon guy, and <coughs> eventually I'm going to have to accept it, and when my track days are over, I'm not going to... I'm not going to just hang it up. I think I'm going to continue onto the roads and, yeah. you know. Wait, long. wait until they have, like, five carbon fiber plates and right. then, then <laughs> yeah, maybe right, switch yeah. over onto yeah, the roads. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that Sid and I kind of really fall in, like, a very similar category where it's, like, we're these 5K, 10K guys who haven't done anything absolutely insane. Like, we've been good, but we haven't done anything <laughs> absolutely insane on the track. Um, and caught me, you know, tell me if I'm wrong about any of this, but like, like I, like Sid said, like I have also been told many times, like, oh, you're gonna be a great marathoner, like, oh, like, oh, you're gonna be a roads guy, and like hearing that as like this young track guy, it's like, oh, hell no, like, yeah, exactly. I do not want to be on the road, like marathons sound freaking horrible, like yeah. that just doesn't sound appealing to me, um, and I think I'm kind of in the same thing as Sid, like I want to hang on to that like pipe, that track pipe dream. For yeah, like exactly. forever, because you know, track is where all the glory is. You know, all, exactly. all the the young, quick guys are all yeah. on the track, and I think that yes, eventually one day there will be a point where it's like, damn, I can't keep up with all these young guys anymore. Mm -hmm. It's time to do something a little longer. And you know, if if my legs survive, I imagine I'll probably have a short but sweet marathon career. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe just road, you know, just road ten k, road five k stuff, but not actually you know, racing marathons. I, uh, right now, I think it's just like one of those things that's like a marathon just seems so unbelievably difficult, you know? Yeah. And, and so it, that that task, um, you know, I, I applaud Reed Fisher on our team for, for making the jump to marathon because, I mean, he's 24 just like me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's already basically being like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack a 26-mile race. And like that, to me, that's just insane yeah. so yeah i think i'm hanging on to the dream yeah for sure for a while yeah i mean i think i could see aaron here i mean if he was uh someone like ben true who's i don't know 32 33 now if he's running on the track in 10 years i wouldn't be surprised you know if he's like kept that speed up i think he would i think he would enjoy that and if he was like still competing at a high level but like i i think you know there's a difference in that like yeah. for whatever reason like 
we both have a chip on our shoulder when it comes to track running because yeah. of that thing where everyone it's tells not, you to be a road guy. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. not that we're yeah, it's not like it's almost like we're um they're selling us short for being track runners, I guess. In a right. way. Yeah. Which they're not, you know, but they yeah. just they're just appreciating us for our, our strengths, you know? Right. But it it yeah. really feels like they're selling us short. Yeah. yeah. Sid and I are definitely both very much Sid, uh, Sid strength <laughs> runners mm-hmm. where, you know, we can pack a mile, a little bit more miles, you know, and really build up a strong aerobic base. And we just sort of go hard at mm-hmm. the whole, the entirety of the race. And, you know, we don't usually try to leave it to a kick. Um, but yeah, I think there is, there's a small slap in the face feel yeah. when, when someone tells, oh, you'll be a great roads guy or like, you'll be a great marathoner. Like, but I ba- want to be a good track guy. Right. Yeah. Because it's basically someone telling you, hey, you're not quick. And yeah. it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'll prove it to you. Yeah. So yeah. So I think, yeah, I think they're like Sid said, there's a huge chip on the shoulder sort of, I think in both of our minds where it's like, oh, I'm going to prove to you, yeah. I'm going to prove to you that I got a kick. So, exactly. you know, I think there's a. Uh, Plenty of work left to be done on the track for both of us. Yes. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about, like, way on down the line, what do you think about, like, the whole growth of, like, trail running and things like that? Is that something that remotely interests you? Because a lot of, I mean, a lot of guys, like, let's say Jim Walmsley, I mean, he uh, he came out of, out of or he went in the military for a little bit and then went straight on into the ultra scene, and he still right. had that speed, um, and he's been able to translate that to ridiculous like 100 miles and things like that for sure uh and do really well for himself i mean there's still a huge market for it especially like i know hoka does a lot of stuff with with trail running and things like that yeah and like utmb and they have these huge you know these huge uh viewerships for it and like do you think that's something that any of y'all would be interested in the future or do you think it's you're more of you you prefer like pounding the pavement um i guess personally i i I may not be interested in it as much and i think it's it's something that maybe uh the kids of now, like the, you know, 13, 14, 15 year olds of like right now are going to get into and it's going to, I feel like it's going to develop very well in the next 10, 15 years. And like, I think I want to be a track guy because I think if I, I like, I just thought when I was young, when I thought about running, like it was kind of what was like, um, what I was exposed to, I guess I was exposed to a lot of track like running, Usain Bolt a lot of that. road running. Yeah. So I wanted to f- be fast and I didn't, I didn't see many like glorious pictures or videos of trail runners and, and it just didn't really instill like that, like complete love mm-hmm. for it. And, yeah. and it's not that it's bad. It's just, I just, I didn't like learn how to appreciate it enough. And so I guess there, yeah, there's no burning like desire, to desire to, to go out into the trails. And, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, Okay, I'm about to, I'm probably about to get on my soapbox a little bit here. <laughs> so I have multiple things to say about ultra running. So I think one of the most interesting things is that running is such a subculture and running is such a sort of the people that do it, they sort of connect in a certain way that other people may not. Um, and it's interesting because I think there's even subcultures within the running subculture. So like you have like all the track people and then you have like the people that are more strength-based, you know, cross-country roads type people. And then like there's this sort of like, I'm not going to call it bastard stepchild, but like this very interesting sort of group of people that tend to do ultras, you know, you they, are, run, they are the bastard. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, they're, they're these people who yeah. you sort of envision in your mind of like, Oh, these psychopaths that like run for like two plus hours every single day. And they're just like out in the middle of the woods. Just like, you almost think of them as like, uh, like climbing bums, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, they're just, yeah. like, in like, the woods. Like, just, yeah. like hippies. Like right, yeah, they're, like, yeah, hippies, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, Smoking weed right. on the run. Yeah, and yeah all so that in terms of, of, like, the branding of 
of ultra marathons or like the trail running scene, I think there is sort of there is awesome things to be done there, but I almost feel like you have to appeal to the younger generation in some way and make it like cool. And I think that's hard to do with the current people that sort of do that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of my own personal interest in ultras, I am sort of a completionist, so I imagine that one day I will like to do a few of them just because they're so well known. You know, like yeah. doing like the Badwater would be awesome because it's you know, it's one hundred and thirty-five miles in the hottest place in America, like yeah. or in what well, I guess uh, the West, in, in Death yeah. Valley, in right? It's in, yeah, it's in yeah. Death Valley. Like it's yeah. it starts you know, at negative elevation, right? Yeah, like just an insane race. And so, like to me, that idea of like, oh damn, like I really have to challenge my body to do this. Like that is a very cool idea to me. Yeah. So I imagine that I will do things like that, but I would I don't think I could ever even imagine coming into like that world and being like competitive right yeah Yeah. like not training for a specific race and just like a for me it would be much more of like a i am straight up just trying to finish this it is in no way for glory it's just for my own personal like i mean like people say that you like transcend in moments like that where it's like you know you do something that is so freaking hard that it's like all of a sudden you're just like wow like i my body can do so much more than i think it can so like i that appeals to me but in no way do I think like the idea of being like, oh, I'm an ultra runner. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't that doesn't appeal. Running to me. at like seven thirty pace for twelve hours right. or whatever. That, yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that's the subculture. I don't think I'm ever gonna dive into. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting because most people that do it are are older. Oh um, yeah, for sure. I, I did a the the Bandera fifty k in January, and I was by far the youngest person there. Like mm-hmm. everyone else was, you know, forty, fifty. These you know these old guys. It's like old and stubborn. You know, just plodding along. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I think if maybe like you talked about, about having like a younger audience, like something that appeals to younger audience, like right. even like a team, let's mm-hmm. say like an ultra running team, like, like right. I know the Coconino Cowboys and Flagstaff, they right. kind of have that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I think something like that could, could, um, yeah. could elevate the ultra running scene. But I think for the most part, yeah, the, all the money for the most part's in track for and, sure. and road racing. Yeah. I think another name to definitely drop though would definitely be like Grayson Murphy. Like Grayson Murphy is definitely mm-hmm. a good good name that it's like, oh okay, like I could see her pulling some traction, you know, with younger audience, younger girls saying like, oh wow, like there's someone who's cool that's running these trail races and winning them and doing well. And I think that that's there's definitely something to be said about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I th- I and I think you know a, a, another point like the team aspect of ultra running is very interesting because another thing I mean maybe I, this is a very wrong assumption of me but. Usually, when I think of ultra runners, I often think about these guys who are usually out there alone too. Like not only not only are they you know pounding at the miles, but a lot of times they're by themselves. And I think that that's like a, another huge thing is like to have a group of guys to to support. That's different. But you know, if there's just one dude that's just you'll never he's almost like a ghost because you never see him because he's just on trails all day. Like you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. that's there's not much mass appeal to that. I think mm-hmm. yeah, because it's more of like a I guess not, I don't want to say self-centered, but, you know, it's very, like, individualistic where it's, like, some of them, it's not even about the race. It's just, yeah. like, how, how hard can I push myself? Yeah, you're you in your thoughts and, like, can you push right. your mind yeah. past, like, what you think is yeah. possible? Yeah, it's almost like a monk sort of uh, yeah. Yeah. idea. I, I was yeah. going to say that, yeah. It's, like, you can't really, like, you know, I was going to compare it to a monk, like, because you can't, like, um, to be, to kind of, like, put it out there and put it out in social media probably takes away from what it truly is, you know? Like, yeah. mm, maybe being out there for two hours is, that's all it needs to be. It doesn't have to be glorified, you know? Right. You know, yeah. you just have to 
Yeah. You yeah. just have to do it yourself. And it's kind of a weird, like, like to encourage people to do it themselves, you have to get it out there through social media. But using social yeah. media and making it glorified <laughs> is kind of getting away yeah. from what from it is. It's a paradox. Yeah, it's a paradox. It's like sure. a paradox. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And I definitely think, like you said, like the older crowd, I feel like a lot of those people, if you polled the general sort of ultra marathon trail runner sort of people, I think the majority of them would be like, hell no, I don't want more people on my trails. Like, I don't want yeah. more people doing that. I don't care about people watching me. It's more, it's about me meditating in the woods for three hours basically and it's like yeah you know so i think there i think there's a market for it and i think there isn't at the same time it's very very interesting it would be it would so i think someone would be very hard pressed to to really successfully kind of make a campaign for that yeah Yeah. i think it's interesting too like one of the guys matt i don't know if you know who matt daniels is Mm -hmm. um he he ran at adam state uh he was a sub four sub four guy oh wow um and now he he does ultra marathons he's sponsored by nike uh he finished (laughs) fourth this year at uh, Western States, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is like kind of the biggest one mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's actually made that transition pretty well. But again, he's not, you know, super big on social media and things like right. that. But it's interesting to see that transition because he was the first one ever to do this thing where it's yeah. you go from running sub four right. um, to running an ultra marathon. Like there's this really cool documentary called Sub Four to States um, that's, that's on YouTube now. It's really interesting about that transition of coming from being a sub four guy um, and just not, not even going to the track or right. the roads and just going straight into, into ultra running mm-hmm. and having that transition. Yeah. I think another huge thing that I just sort of thought about, as you said, you know, this guy's sponsored by Nike, you know, it, without the appeal of outsiders, there's not much incentive for any company to pay someone to do this. So I think that's a huge thing too, is it's like, you know, if you, if you have these companies who are then supporting individuals to go be trail runners or ultra marathon runners, at that point, that forces that person's hand to then have responsibility to push a brand. And I think that's also something that probably is a little bit contrary to the typical ultramarathon runner. You know, that, that makes that makes things a little bit, I don't know, sticky for them. Where yeah. It's just like, oh, like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need a brand to support me or I don't want a brand to support me because then I have to push that brand. And that's just not something I'm about. You know, I, so I think that's another thing to be said is finding the right individuals to push that for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another thing is interesting as I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, the 24 hour, like the track races that are 24 mm-hmm. hours. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. like what do y'all think about those? I mean, I know there's a girl named Camille Heron that's, she's yeah. a beast. I mean, she yeah. runs like 170 she, miles in she 24 hours. Yeah. 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 Um, so like there's, there's a track and there's a track thing. So mm-hmm. you gotta go from the track to, uh, to running around the track for 24 hours right. straight. Um, yeah. what, what are your thoughts kind of on that? Yeah. I mean, I think in a way that like that extreme is not easy to market, but I think it's like it's something that catch that could catch traction a little bit sooner than that like middle ground, I guess, of a fifty K race because like some somebody the average person might not grasp that as well, you know? Like a person can grasp uh, a four minute mile pretty easily because they're like maybe they've gone out and jogged uh you know, uh, a mile, and they're yeah. like, wow, four minutes or three minutes and 50 seconds, that's crazy. But, like, they can't really think about the, the 50K. They're like, oh, how many miles is that? What pace is that? Whatever. But then they could think of 24 hours, and then they could think of that one mile, that original mile, and they're like 167 of those and in yeah. one day. Like, it's very, like, easy to imagine, and I think that could catch traction a little bit more than, like, than those middle grounds, like those odd distances that are... 
you know, a lot of times in kilometers, which is not the normal thing for right. Americans Absolutely. and all that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think, you know, I... Like, I, like for per- personally, I think, like I said, like, I'm very much a completionist and someone who likes to sort of... S- I think after I get done running, the idea of doing things that are incredibly physically challenging sounds appealing to me. So, like, that is something that I'm definitely interested in. Like, for example, there's, like, a like the hour record in indoor track cycling. So, you know, these guys are just absolutely hauling, you know. And so it's like that at the end, you know, I've seen several record attempts in that and like the people at the end of that is just, they're just done, you know. And so it's like that is something that's very cool thought that it's like there is a 100% line where you are done. And it's like how far can I make it in that time is something that is very cool, I think. Um so I think that, like Cindy said, like I think that could probably appeal to more people, maybe mm-hmm. than than just like a, a finish line maybe can. But exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's because it's also I think that's also like the incentive there is like the effort. You know, it's like you could do this race and you could jog a mile in a whole day if you wanted to, or walk you know walk a few miles in a day. Like that's sort of up to you. It's like as hard as you want to push yourself. So it's like there is that respect for people that do it. Very, you know well because they are pushing themselves to a, a certain limit and you get to you know witness that so i think that yeah that that can appeal i think a little bit more maybe than than just an ultra might yeah yeah for sure yeah. um another thing that's kind of been going on right now in the running community is um the mary kane thing and things like that and mm-hmm. about like um like women in, in running um and then also kind of about like um a lot of i don't know just nike in general but there's a lot of been a lot of stigma there um like, how has been your relationship with, like, Adidas, and how does that go? And, like, is there any plans for the future of, like, having, like, a women-specific team of, like, 10-man? Or is it just something that's, like, just going to be guys for the future? Um, I, I mean, let's see. My, like, my experience with Adidas, you said? I yeah. guess that we could start with that. Um, you know, it's been, I don't think it's been a huge experience or big relationship with Adidas just yet because I just joined and I'm yeah. not the, you know, I'm not the Drew Hunter or the Sam Parsons just just yet, you know, right? I yeah. want to be there. And so, you know, I think uh, the the guys that have helped us get this, like, relationship with Adidas are the middlemen, and I, I don't think I've spoken to Adidas at all, you know, myself. Um, with that, um, you know, that's I guess that's all I can say with that. Um, as far as the, like, the women-specific or staying on the men's side, I think it's it's something that, we have definitely thought about um, that's that we've toyed with, but we want it to happen organically. You know, uh, we we don't want to we don't want to bring in girls and any ladies, girls, women. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't want to use any like yeah. don't specific, offend anybody. Yeah. yeah, any specific words, but like um, yeah, I think just like we don't want to bring in people and have them and tell them like you got to do this, you got to do that, and and for like we would want it to be very self run. And that's kind of hard to do if we were to keep it under the same brand as Tin Man, right? And, yeah. Uh, Tin people. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it, it, I guess it, it's a it's a hard topic, and I don't think I've like toyed with it enough in my head, or even yeah. spoken to the other guys about it enough. I think this is kind of like the first time that I've been asked about it, right? Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. and so I think yeah, that's something that's like definitely possible, and that would be great. Um, but it, it would have to happen like organically and not push for it be like yeah, all right let's yeah. add 10 girls to the mm-hmm. team yeah right. exactly yeah. absolutely yeah i think like i was saying way earlier like 
you know, that is one of those ideas that is more of just in the air right now. Yeah. Not, you know, I don't think anybody's necessarily written it down um, or like actually sat down and said, what would this look like? Or, you know, how, how would we go about this? Um, I think it is, you know, obviously we want to be inclusive. We want, you know, we want our fan base to include women, you know, and everything like that. Um, but like, like Sid said, like we want it to happen organically, I think, if it, if it were to happen. And it's very hard for us to find the right people that, you know, want to do and put in the work that the guys that founded this team did, you know, and really kind of build their own brand and everything. Um, so, you know, I think that's something to maybe look out for in the future, but I, I'm not sure right now is sort of the time, especially with us, like, like we said earlier, like, you know, going into the Olympic year. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just, that's kind of our focus right now. And that would be, that would be a very massive change, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. for us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah, something, something to be looking forward to in the future. Um, but I mean, another thing that I just kind of thought about going back to the, to the, um, sort of the Mary Kane and, and the ultra marathon stuff. Like, I think it is very interesting how in the ultra marathon scene, women are very equal to men and, and better oh, yeah. most yeah. most of the time. You know, like, they're, yeah, they're, they're more to Walter. Right. I mean, yeah. she beats guys like, on yeah, the regular they're, side. they're more, women are more efficient at burning calories. So they, you know, they stay at a sustained pace for longer and it's, you know, so I think that is a huge appeal to ultra marathon is the, the female crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, sort of segueing that into Mary Kane. I mean, obviously that's a horrible thing that happened. You know, no one was, no one sitting in this room was there. So we can't say what did happen and what didn't happen and everything like that. But, you know, if the rumors are true, it's obviously like a horrible thing. Weight is such a, such a big thing on both the men and women's side of of running. Um, You know, I think Sid and I were actually having a conversation today earlier about (laughs) race weight. And I, I was discussing about how, during my fifth place in NCAAs, I was like the lightest I had been in many, many years by like, you know, I was at like a dangerous weight, you know? And so it is, there is sort of that stigma where you, you feel like you have to lose and lose and lose weight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if you have somebody that's writing your checks saying lose weight, you know, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it sort of, I think struck a, a heartstring for the vast majority of runners, because I think whether, whether or not that it's been directly told to you at some point, you have thought about weight. You know, that's just part of part of our culture. Definitely. Part of sport, like yeah. just in general too, like in football, like it's Absolutely. all about gaining weight. For sure. Like yeah. when I did football, like my freshman year of high school, I mean, it was like, you need to gain weight, you need to gain weight. I'm like, I can't gain weight. Mm-hmm. Like my body just like, I just can't put on weight. Right. So I think it's interesting because it's like in all kind of sport, it can go both ways. Like you need to gain more weight, you need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. There's always mm-hmm. like, you're never like what you're supposed to be almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, right. Were you going to add something, Sydney? Uh, no, I mean, I guess I was, I was just going to say, yeah, I've, I've been lucky to like not have someone on the outside say that as well. But yeah, I mean, like Aaron said, it's crossed my mind where like, oh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe this season, like, oh, if I was like, my goal is to be a little lighter, maybe like I just toy around with that idea. And it's because it's sometimes cause I'm like desperate with like my performance. Right. And I'm what like, am I doing wrong? Like maybe if yeah, I lose weight, it'll maybe help if me. I lose yeah. weight. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like a bad thing to cross your mind. Cause it's, yeah, it's very unhealthy. Um, yeah. and it's just like, it is very sad that that is a standard that, uh, that a company or a professional coach may put on, on people like men or women. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, luckily I, I think in, in our atmosphere here, that hasn't been a thing ever. Like, mm-hmm. um, like I've stopped like, weighing myself like you know like you know not not that i did it religiously before but like 
I don't think I've weighed like I've checked my weight yeah. in in a few months now, right? And For sure. so and like I'm not too worried about that. And I think it's just because like our atmosphere is very relaxed. You show up, and if you're feeling good, you're feeling good, right? And yeah. you know it doesn't matter if you're you know ten Weird. pounds over yeah. what you usually are or ten pounds under, like you know then it's just kind of like everyone keeps each other accountable, saying like you know you look healthy you don't look healthy, do this, but they don't say you need to gain weight, you need to lose weight. Right, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Right, it, it really is a feeling thing, you know what I mean? Like, I've I've trained in, like, a probably seven to eight pound range and felt good on both ends of that spectrum, you know? Yeah. So it's, like, obviously, you know, it is, it is the sad reality that there does reach a point where if you're too skinny, you start to underperform, and if you're too large you start to underperform you know so there there is something to be said about it but at the same time it's like you know there needs to be healthier avenues for athletes and coaches and trainers pts whatever it may be to sort of go dietitians to go about that issue and 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 be able to you know talk to the athletes about hey yes you have to maintain a certain healthy weight but you also need to be getting your nutrients in you know and so it's like you know it is just a sad reality of our sport that is unfortunately especially on the women's side push too far usually you know yeah. and, it, and it's just you know it, it causes not only physical health issues but mental health issues and it's just you know it's it's just a sad 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 part of of our sort of subculture i'd say yeah yeah and like you need to add more girls to like the the actual coaching staff as well mm-hmm. it's a big thing um, yeah like shalane flanning i know just joined joined bowerman track was one of the main coaches right so hopefully <laughs> that will help uh another nike thing uh, a little bit different, not quite as dark. Um, about like the the carbon fiber plate shoes and all of that kind of drama. <laughs> I, I did a I did a research methods um, topic on it. I did you know kind of a whole study on it, um, kind of about the shoes and like what people's alternatives for it are and like you know limiting certain things. Uh, like what are y'all's thoughts kind of on that whole thing? Mm-hmm. I, know, I know I talked with you a little bit yesterday yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I've I've definitely thought about it and I've been like on like. I'm just on the fence, and I've been on either side, I think, at, at certain points. Um, you know, from the 50s to, to now, shoes have gotten better, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, shoes, the average shoe right now, not the 4% or the carbon-plated ones, are probably 4% or more percentages better than the ones in the, yeah. in the 50s, yeah. right? And so eventually they get better. Um, but I, I think just, like, the craze now, it's just that it's... If those, like, studies are true where they say that, it is 4% or mm-hmm. like whatever more efficient if they are true uh it kind of it's happening too fast for me to be comfortable i guess yeah. um i like i don't like the idea that somebody say the average runner that's trying to make it you know maybe the the person that's a 220 marathoner that really mm-hmm. wants to make it to the olympic trials i don't i don't like the idea that they would walk into that running shoe store and be like i'm picking this shoe up because I'm going to run faster in it. Like before, when I bought my own shoes, mm-hmm. I picked up a shoe because I was like, I'm going to look sick in this. Like, <laughs> I like how I look, you know? For sure. The it's, high school kind of mentality. Yeah, high school yeah. mentality. Absolutely. Look it's, good, run good. It's, it's, it's like, a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like naive and, and you get away from like the idea that it's like performance enhancing, you know? Like, yeah. say you do make the the trial standard by two seconds or you're, mm-hmm. you run 218 flat or whatever the standard is. Yeah. Like, but you're wearing those shoes. Can you really be proud of making that? If you if you believe that those shoes helped you, but mm-hmm. you made the trials, like you have to believe that without the shoes, 
you wouldn't have you wouldn't it. have made it and so could you really be proud of making the yeah or if trials? you're like yeah. the guy let's say you didn't buy the shoes you're like i'm not going to buy the shoes like screw those right yeah and then you don't qualify by two seconds and then someone qualifies by two seconds and right. they exactly. were wearing the shoes you're like i would beat them by like a good amount like if yeah I yeah exactly right. and that's that is you know i've i've run into athletes on both sides of that fence where it's like you know, I think that, I mean, we even have guys that we've trained with that have said things like, oh, I'm sick of losing the guys that are in these shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's the like, you're right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it's very, it is very unfortunate because it's like, there is such a moral question where it's like, okay, so like we can't allow someone to take EPO, but we can allow someone to run in these shoes that are supposedly mm-hmm. make them better. And so it's like, at what point, you know, is too far, too far. And like Sid was saying, like, you know, tracks, spikes, flats, whatever it may be, have improved over time. You know, you maybe give Roger Bannister a Mondo track and a pair of, you know, Avantis, and yeah. the guy mm-hmm. runs 350, you know, instead of just, you know, 359. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, there's just, there is sort of like that, is this natural development starting to go up some sort of exponential curve and we're reaching points where the technology that we're wearing is basically the same thing as a chemical, you know, Mm. as a chemical drug making us better. And so it's like, I personally am one that falls into the less carbon fiber, whatever bull crap that you Mm. want to shove in my shoe, the less of that I can run into the better because I would rather have the peace of mind saying, no, 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 that was me. Mm. And so like, I mean, perfect you don't example. Want the right. next yeah. To the name. yeah. The perfect example is the 5K champs. You know, mm-hmm. I, I smoked three guys right there that were wearing those shoes. And so it's like, like, mm-hmm. do they actually make you that much better? Like, am I better than those guys by even farther than I already beat them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, I just, I hate, like Sydney said, like, that there's that question mark. Like, that there is that sort of, you cross the line and it's like, had uh, Anthony Rotich not been wearing 4%, Mm-hmm. would I have beaten him that mm-hmm. day? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. would I be coming home with $12,000 instead of 8000 You know, yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. that is huge to an athlete. So it's like, w- at what point is these physical items becoming basically legal doping? And at what point have we pushed the envelope too far? And it's like, at what point does some sort of government body... Step in. Yeah, step in and say, no, 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 these aren't allowed. Because, I mean, you know, perfect example, Beijing Olympics, everyone was wearing, in the swimming, was wearing those speed suits. And eventually, all those world records got asterisk right next to them Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, wait, 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 this is just unfair. Like, this isn't you being a good athlete. This is your suit providing you an unfair advantage. And so, you know, and that's another huge thing for for richer countries. You know, USA and some countries in, in Europe might be able to, their federations might be able to provide these shoes that who knows how good they're going to get, you know, and, and, and they're going to provide those for their athletes. And then, you know, there may be some other countries, like perfect examples, like Tanzania, like mm-hmm. where Sid's father's from mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe doesn't have the best federation and those money. And so their athletes can't get it. And so it's like, how can you justify those countries being held back by some sort of shoe? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, $500 I think, you, right. Or yeah. It is, and yeah. then it brings in the whole question of like, perfect example is the Ineos 159 challenge. Like, these shoes specifically designed to perfectly push Elliot forward. Mm-hmm. Did he actually do it? Yeah. Or was it yeah. just some shoe in a perfect environment? Because he only did, I mean, 40, 20 seconds, I mean. Right, yeah, which is still, yeah. like, you know, when, in the grand scheme of things, you think, oh, 20 seconds, that's huge. He blew it out of the water. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's like, 
you know, is that basically legal doping? You know, mm-hmm. sitting in a draft tunnel with these perfect mm-hmm. shoes on a bouncy road on a perfect day with the perfect humidity and the perfect amount of oxygen. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's just so many question marks that I don't like to think about. And it's like, I would rather just everyone was on this, like, we're equal. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not wearing some shoes that make me better. Like, yeah. 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 And, and I think all that being said, like, I'm not trying to take the righteous, like, point, you know? Yeah. Like, right. If, yeah. If, the four, if the 4% came out and they never had the campaign saying that they were 4% better, that they actually mm-hmm. help you. All the, if none of those studies came out, mm-hmm. I probably, I might've, I might've bought the 4% at right. some point, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, like I'm not trying to take that stance and saying like, I'm better than the person who's not wearing it, mm-hmm. but I'm just now taking the conscious choice to, you know, to say if, if all of that is true, if there's a chance that it's true, I'm not going to like grab them because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like kind of lie to myself in a way by by believing that like the shoes going to make me better and like when I do run better I guess like mm-hmm. I don't want to believe that I'm a better runner if like deep down I I know that the shoes are helping me. Yeah, I mean it's it's been crazy cuz like even on the track uh at NCAA champs this year like the in the 10k yeah. I mean guys were wearing them. Oh yeah. Um, I was there. Which is is nuts. (laughs) Which is nuts. Um, And then even like going to the Olympic year at at the championships, there were there were some like pictures going out about Mm -hmm. some Nike like carbon fiber track spikes. Yep. Mm -hmm. That had bag airbags in them too. Yep. And so like that that can be something too because before it was like oh it's just the roads you know it's like Mm -hmm. not quite as like the stakes aren't quite as high. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But now like going into like world championships or like going to the Olympic year, it's like damn like that. I mean milliseconds matter on the track. Yep. so, like, everyone's super close. Even, like, the 10K on the track yeah. is super close. Yeah. yeah, I think... And, you know, I mean, this is obviously a, another huge topic. Is just the idea of, like, IAAF or USATF or whoever it may be being sponsored by Nike. And it's, like, you know, as, like, an Adidas athlete, like, yeah, we may be... Or we're not necessarily Adidas athletes, but, you know, Adidas gives us gear. And, you know, there there is something to be said about like okay like how is it fair that you know that these nike athletes are getting these shoes that are supposed to make them four percent whatever it may be better Mm -hmm. in these spikes and you know we can just say like oh that's okay for them to do that and then they're also like on this world stage and it's just like how is that fair to athletes from other company companies that maybe don't get those same opportunities to to wear shoes Mm -hmm. that are supposed to be equivalent because they can't you know they're breaking contract if they don't so Mm -hmm. it's like I mean, if that if it really is true, if they if people really are getting four percent better, I mean that literally is basically until other companies can compete with that, all of those, you know, Adidas, Saucony, whatever, Asics, whoever it may be, is just falling farther and farther behind. Just, while this company that is literally runs the show, mm-hmm. like literally runs the IAAF, yeah, like and the USATF, yeah, sponsored by Nike, right, like, exactly, yeah, and so races, yeah. you know, all these Nike athletes are continuing to push and continuing to push, and before we know it. Alberto Salazar and just you know sanctioned doping and and Nike all that'll be swept under the rug and they'll just be sitting there with a nice smile on their face and people will be handing them 150 bucks you know left and right to get these special shoes you know so it's like you know I mean that I guess that's a pretty kind of like oh the rich get richer sort of an argument (laughs) but it's you know it is there is sort of you know now that we're in that world there is sort of a hey, that's not fair. That kind of mm-hmm. crosses your mind, for sure. But at the same time, it's also like, then, you know, <laughs> run for Nike. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's like, 
yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's there's all sorts of ways to looking of looking at it for sure. Do you think if like they were, let's say they would ban them? Do you think that like all of the records before like should have asterisks or like because then there would almost be a point where like so let's say it would take way longer to break a record again because like everyone goes back to wearing flats and right. then it's like oh crap like that's gonna be so hard to run one fifty nine forty because I didn't have like this gigantic shoe that was right. Yeah, yeah. I mean I. I I guess for the NES challenge, um, I can sleep at night, I guess, a little bit because I, I just know it's, it's not a world record mm-hmm. and under all those conditions. Like, I think I'm okay. It was just like, it was a very, uh, um, it was a very special event, right. I guess. It was like, <laughs> can a human do this with a pat on the butt? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, and so I, I don't think I'm salty at that in, in any no. way because yeah. I'm just like, it was, uh, I don't know the word for it, I guess, but it was. It was it was a show, right? Yeah, it yeah. It was entertainment. It wasn't necessarily. It wasn't necessarily yeah, an athletic legit. performance, right? Exactly. And so yeah, I'm okay with the NES mm-hmm. challenge and mm-hmm. whatever shoes they wore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just a, like I said, it's just a what what at what point is too far and like where does unfair start to come into play? Exactly. Yeah, and like let's say they start giving all these like the ones that Kipchoge was wearing to all the athletes. Like, because now let's see, like, we were talking earlier, like, how, like, Saucony's making them now, and, like, they're all, yeah. but those are more like the vapor flies. They're not like these alpha flies with yeah. three plates and four. So right. then it's another three years before they can catch up to exactly. that, and then exactly. they have one that's even higher than that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a couple of, like, one guy was talking about, like, limiting the stack to, like, 31, like, for the front and back, the, the difference yeah. overall, like, to be 31 millimeters. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, the alpha fly is, like, 52. The right. stack height is, yeah, like, it's 50, just, I mean, 50. Just, it's, like, Jesus. it's 52. Forces you to run on your toes. 52, 40-something yeah. for yeah. the stack. Yeah. Um. So it's, like, and then three plates. So they're saying, like, make it 31 and then have, like, one plate in there and then call it good. Like, that's okay. as much as you can do. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. So, but people are getting mad at that, too. They're like, oh, that's just, like, you just hate Nike. Right, like, exactly, right. Yeah. And that's the thing is that then you have the Nike lovers who are saying, oh, you're just hating against us, and it's like, in certain ways, yes, that's true, but at the same time... Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many different ways of looking at it, and it, it is, it's just a level playing field argument yeah. at the end of the day, and there's so many moral ways to be, like point in both directions and that's the hard part is it's you know we have a governing body who is supposed to make these decisions and mm-hmm. that's it's very hard when that governing body is run by yeah nike's run, paying right for exactly things, right yeah. Red nike's paying their salary so it's like you know it's very hard if you're if you're a you know a leader of usatf and you are thinking man this isn't necessarily fair but then all of a sudden that check comes in the mail and whose name's on it? Nike. And yeah. it's like, well, like, oh. shit. You know, like, how am I supposed to take this company that's paying me and say what you're doing is wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, so it, I think there is, I think that's a huge thing that I personally want to advocate for in the future is just the uh, the separation of company and and governing Fem- body. Yeah, because, yeah, because that just, I mean, that is just, a, in my opinion, is a complete and total ridiculous conflict of interest um yeah. that's why it's taking them so long to investigate in the first place. absolutely yeah uh-huh 100 yeah. wasn't uh is subco the president of the I- IWF? uh i think that's recent yeah something yeah. like that yeah and like he was on like nike's payroll right until, <laughs> yeah until pretty recent exactly uh, if i don't know if he still mm-hmm. is but i'm i think he's not but while he was the president yeah. he was still on yeah. the payroll you know for some period right, right one of the arguments was like on the other side was like oh well like when the adios came out like that was set all the world records right um and mm-hmm. things like that but then it's like uh i mean the stack was still low and right. there wasn't yeah. a plate in there and things yeah. like that i mean i've i've ran new york roadrunners in the or the the 5k champs in in the adios and i can 
say as someone who came from a Nike school, run after running in you know Zoom Streak LTs and stuff like that, the audios are in no way faster than any other flat. It's yeah. the same damn thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, the studies that I looked at for my research methods class, like the the audios, they use like the audios, the streak, and then the vapor flies. The vapor fly was like for people it was between like two and like five percent for mm-hmm. how much mm-hmm. how much faster they were, and then like the audios was like one point six faster than like, um, and then like the streak was like one point four faster, and then I think that the baseline shoe was like the Pegasus, or you know, yeah, right. obviously you're gonna be a little just bit like faster. a regular yeah, yeah, sure. right. yeah, trainer. yeah, pretty yeah, pretty quick trainer, right? Yeah. So it's like four percent off of that. So yeah, for sure, that was definitely a tangent. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it's something that like we've thought about enough. Yeah, um, you know. being yeah <laughs> being as this is our job, we are we literally moved across the country for one thing and one thing only, and that's to run fast. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know that is something that affects us. So mm-hmm. you know, I think these are the things that you think about before you you know as yeah. you're in the shower or going to bed. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. just like exactly man like. <laughs> This is bullcrap. How can <laughs> Nike be paying USATF? Like, how is that not? How is that? Fa- you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, and that's. It's just and there's so much muddy water to swim through yeah. with all of that, you know. And there's there's a million moral arguments that someone can make from the other side than where mm-hmm. I'm coming from, you know. So it's, you know, because I mean, people could say, "Oh, it's for the good of the sport that Nike funds a governing body," and it's like, yeah, for sure. Like, where else is that money going to come from? Mm-hmm. So you know, there's. So many arguments to be made. Yeah, so many exactly. arguments to be made. Yeah, like even as even if you're just speaking about the shoes, you know, you can mm-hmm. make a turn into like people like like spikes, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. People make the conscious effort in track season to get spikes over flats because they're like these are gonna make me run faster, the right? Really you know, track. they're gonna grip you yeah. under the track better, and it's just like, I guess that just happened. Like to me, how do I, you know? But mm-hmm. my guess is it happened a little bit more naturally, like where. I don't know, you know, yeah. like, it, it just, like, I guess, it, I don't know, it, it's hard, like, I'm, mm-hmm. before, even before this year, when I wasn't really attached, I wasn't attached to a brand, really, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just, I just figured that, like, Nike was just, like, waving the shoes, you know, on the mm-hmm. other side of the fence, like, look at me, you know, and, right, and it was just, I guess, to me, like, I don't enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you, what do you think about the new Adidas one, like, the new Adidas is kind of throwing their hat into the... Yeah, I mean, ring. I guess it's like, it's think... one of those things that, who knows if they're out to, I don't know if they're like strictly trying to compete with the 4% or next percent, Yeah. but I think they're using s- similar technologies because mm-hmm. like the governing bodies are obviously not doing anything about the first ones mm-hmm. that are getting better and better and better, and right. so mm-hmm. they're just going to have to follow suit in a way, right? And yeah. I think this is their way. I don't know if like... You know, I haven't seen any studies, mm-hmm. uh, but but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you th- do you think let's say if the Adidas ones do like let's say they make you like instead of four percent they make you three percent faster than like let's say the Saucony shoe or whatever? Do you think that that the Adidas one should be banned too, or what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, well, I think I think personally, I think if if they do decide to ban the four percent, uh-huh. then they should they should uh, you know they should ban all the other ones as well. It's yeah. like. I think it would only be fair, but I don't know. It, it, yeah. It's just so it, muddy. It's, it's like such so like muddy. a, it's like a, it's just like a nuance, you know, it's just right. like a, it's something else that's right. come in that, you know, begs a question that like, I guess we have to come up with an answer and like, I just, I yeah, really, yeah. and that's the thing is, you know, it's hard. It's like, whose job is it to say like, oh, you can only make someone 2% faster. Like, yeah. and then someone can say, well, why is that fair versus corporate? You know what I mean? It's like, 
there's just uh, like at what point is it just like nope you can't have carbon fiber nope you can't have airbag you know what yeah. I mean like there's so because that's the thing barefoot, yeah. yeah right <laughs> the thing is yeah, the only yeah. fair fair way <laughs> right you know, is, I mean and, and, and spikes have had carbon fiber plates in them for years now mm-hmm. I mean since I've been in high school yeah Car- you know so it's like yeah. Is victories, one carbon fiber or whatever right? Yeah, fiber. right. So it's like, is one carbon fiber plate legal? Like, how many carbon fiber plates? How big can it be? How much mm-hmm. can it? You know, there's just so many question marks, and so that is kind of where my hat does fall in the ring with like IAAF or or USATF, where it's like, man, you guys have a tough job <laughs> yeah, at basically exactly. deciding like what is allowed because like that's like a moral question that you could just. I mean, you'd take a whole freaking ethics class on just yeah. one you know, one topic, I think it'd just be so hard to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to like, yeah, just like sit there in a circle in like a room all day, just like, oh my God, like what, it, where's the line? Like, yeah. where is that line? And you also don't want to have it to where it's like, all right, everyone has to have this foam and has right. to like this. Yeah. So then everyone's wearing the same shoe, except you have an it, ASICS logo versus an exactly. logo. Exactly. And, and that's the like, problem. Cause that's, that's kind of lame too. Right. Yeah. And then that almost <laughs> takes away from like, to break almost break <laughs> politics in this like the american spirit like yeah you know it, it's capitalism like mm-hmm. yes if nike can provide a better product than somebody else or if adidas can buy or provide a better product than somebody else people should want to buy that product mm-hmm. and exactly. nike has proven that i mean that's that Even is the beauty of our country yeah. yeah right yeah like we get we get these technological advancements and it's like incredible that we can make these things and get so nitty-gritty that we can make humans go faster yeah but it's like and it go it all mm. comes back to where is the line yeah what i think is funny too is like the spray paint like people have been spray painting oh, yeah. like the the vapor flies yep. like the, i saw like yeah. it was an under armor guy recently that just spray painted yeah. them exactly it's, yeah <laughs> it's just so obvious too when they do it yeah you it's know? like nothing else looks like that really. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. like someone someone even went to the uh like links they they stenciled the new balance like you know the little the in lo- yeah. logo with like uh-huh. the lines through it yeah oh, they yeah. stenciled they stencil spray painted that with on white onto the black <laughs> oh, okay. to make it yeah. seem like it was like a new balance yeah. shoe. Oh, oh my no. gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, I think that's just people trying not to get in trouble with their with yeah. their contracted companies. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. At that point, you're like, right. mm, like I, I want you to do good because right. like that's that's more important than like wearing right. like some crappy Under Armour shoe. Yeah, because, exactly. Like, They're just taking the stance <laughs> that this shoe is worth it for yeah. me to risk my contract for. Yeah, and I guess, like, yeah. I just don't like that, that thought. Yeah, exactly, know? yeah. Because I think I like seeing fast time, but I just don't like the thought like the idea that people are going to be like, you know what, screw it. Like, right. <laughs> I know the shoe makes yeah. me faster. Whether it's true or not, they're like, yeah. I know the shoe makes me faster and I'm going to do what I have to right. to wear it. Yeah. And that's like, it's it's kind of, you know, it's it's one of those things. I don't know. Yeah. Like I cannot say anything, anything, anything about it, but it just like, yeah. it tosses my mind around. For sure. Like, what do I think about this yeah. really? Like. I think I personally am going to be the one that takes the snoo- snooty moral high road of I don't need a shoe to make me fast and I'm just going to keep running in like the Adios and the Avantis, you know, mm-hmm. and just being like, I, I don't I don't think that I need it, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that half of it is mental, you know, I think I think that's something to be said about that where it's like, if you believe that what you put on is making you faster, then you'll believe that. And to mm-hmm. me, I just see my form and I see a shoe and I think, meh. No way. Mm-hmm. Like, it yeah. just doesn't, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. I think it's crazy too. Like, I feel like people, like, think about it a little bit too much too. It's like, you still have to put in the work. Like, oh, absolutely. even though it's like, oh, uh, people just think they can buy this shoe and they'll be, oh, I'll be so fast. Yeah. Like, I can run sub three in the marathon. But yeah. Like, even though, like, you know, they barely train at all. And it's like, oh, like, I just ran four hours in these shoes. Like, what, what, like, why didn't I run faster? Right. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, y'all seem to put in a lot of work. But then it also comes down to it's like, everyone's putting in a lot of work. And you're so close. Like, everyone's running 100 miles a week. Everyone's doing all these ridiculous sessions. And yep. it's like, 
tiny bits. And, yeah. You know? So yeah. many avenues to get better. <laughs> so Definitely. many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very minute. That yeah. was probably what? Like, <laughs> that was like a 30 <laughs> minute. Yeah, 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I appreciate y'all's time. Thanks Absolutely. for uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, uh, yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, great to talk to y'all again. Um, appreciate it. Looking forward to like, what Tim Man's going to do in the future, like the Olympic year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the future, maybe like next year will be senior year. So like come back and like figure out like kind of what happened and like talk mm-hmm. through all of that and like the progression of another year of growth. Absolutely. And then plans on there from the future. So for sure. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for y'all's time. Absolutely. Today's show examined how Tin Man Elite has been able to find success in the professional running scene, along with talking with two of their newest members and finding out what drew them both to Tin Man Elite. What have we learned? Well, we found out that Tin Man Elite is pushing forward the sport of track and field through the utilization of modern technology while at the same time providing an organic look into what it's like to be a professional runner. They have used multiple channels of social media to promote their brand, sell merchandise, and create a more sponsorship buzz around their team. Other professional teams would do well to adopt this marketing strategy in order to stay relevant and appeal to the younger generations that voraciously consume content through modern social media outlets. We also seem to have struck a chord when it comes to the controversial topic of carbon fiber plated running shoes that have taken over the road running scene. It, is in, it was very interesting to see how other professional runners view these shoes and the impact they can have on performance. You've been listening to Talking With Elites, a weekly podcast where we sit down and talk with professional runners. This episode is again sponsored by Boulder Running Company, who helps us find these amazing athletes to talk to. We'd like to thank today's guests, Sydney Gidabudai and Aaron Templeton. I've been your host, Will Bates. Thank you for listening and join us next time on Talking With Elites.